Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 122 of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and today we're going to say goodbye to some of the Western Conference lottery teams who have already been eliminated from playoff contention. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. We'd love any feedback. We're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FRS Hoops with a Z. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? So much college basketball, Brian. I can't. I, it's it's so bad yet still so compelling. Yeah. Oh man, it's it's terrible. I I, have, <laughs> I, I I've been reminded because I like don't really watch it all that much, especially because Georgetown has sucked for the last decade. That I haven't missed any. The Starlight Lounge presents an evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, the moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Anything, and I'm, I'm very good with my plan to just continue not watching college basketball until March mm. Madness. It's it's really brutal. Like I, whenever people say, "Oh, they, in college they actually play defense," I, <laughs> I just start to laugh internally while I cry on the outside because right. it's such a bad take. Just because the players continue to miss shots does not mean they're playing good defense. <laughs> right. <laughs> One does not equal the other. Yeah. yeah, but but it has been a fun couple days of college basketball, even though. Work has been horrendous. So shout out to anyone in the industry who's had to work during the tournament. And prayers up to you guys. Hope you get some rest after this weekend because it's been a madhouse. Mm. Especially after uh, Friday night's big upset, which we'll touch on at the end of the episode. But Mort, before we hit the Western Conference teams that we are going to say goodbye to today, we need to touch on the Warriors briefly just because that's been the big news of the week. They, it's like them and the Celtics are in a one-upsmanship. Like, who can get more injured? Because the Celtics, you know, Gordon Hayward, obviously, very beginning of the year. Marcus Smart is now undergoing surgery on his hands. going to be out six to eight weeks. Kyrie's dealing with some knee soreness. Al Horford is out, too. The Warriors come out and say, all right, not only is Steph Curry out with an ankle injury, now Clay Thompson has a fractured right thumb, and Kevin Durant is out for at least the next two weeks with a rib injury, an incomplete rib cartilage fracture, which I don't know what that means, but it sounds really painful. Yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> medically speaking, ouch. 
Yeah. So <laughs> that's the layman's term. Yeah. Right. So what a couple weeks ago we talked about Steph's ankle and how if we were worried about the Warriors and we said, No, as long as he's back by the playoffs, it doesn't really matter. Right. Now you've got three of the big four on the sidelines. The playoffs are a month away. Where, on a scale of one to ten, where's your concern for the Warriors? Three of right the now? best four. Yeah. You know. The three best of them, yeah. Right. Uh, I'm I'm nervous a little bit because for for one, they haven't really stepped up either. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about now, they that they need to get their momentum under them, and they didn't. And now they're injured, so now it's going to be even tougher. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing that door starting to creak open bit by bit. Yeah. And Houston still looks amazing. Yep. So this is a year where. I'm slightly concerned if I'm a Warriors fan, and that I might look stupid in a couple months. Like right. they might blow through everyone in the playoffs and just go perfect all the way and make me look like a dumbass, and that <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. Um, but as it is right now, those injuries are, yeah, concerning, especially because they've just been so lackadaisical all, all throughout the year. Yeah. This is just not a good mix. Right. Yeah. I think that's. I'm uh, still. I'm not like penciling the Warriors out of the finals. I mean, right. I, I think until, you know, until we see how they, well, frankly, until we see what they come into the playoffs with, like if Clay is still out once the playoffs start, which he says he's not going to be, he says he should be back by the end of the month. But, you know, if Durant like has played two games by the time the playoffs start, it might take those guys a game or two to get back up to speed, which mm-hmm. is not good because look at, you know, the three through ten seeds in the West have basically been in playoff mode for a month already. Like, they, every game is a must-win for every one of those teams. And by and large, all of those teams have gone off on, like, massive winning streaks. You know, the Thunder are on a five-game winning streak. The Blazers are on an 11-game winning streak. The Jazz, who are the seven seed, who, if the playoffs started today, would be playing the Warriors, have won eight straight. The Spurs yep. are the eight seed right now. Kawhi Leonard could still return. We don't know. Like he was allegedly targeting thir- this past Thursday as his return, which got pushed back. But you know, it usually you see a seven or an eight seed, and you're like, all right, whatever. I can kind of coast through that first round matchup. That's not going to be the case this year, especially if Kawhi comes back for the Spurs and they end up in that seven or eight spot. Like the Jazz, I mean, they they are monsters right now. So. Mm-hmm. I you know I'm I'm still I don't care who ultimately the Warriors play in that first round I'm still most likely going to pick the Warriors but like you yeah that door is opening especially mm-hmm. cuz the Warriors are now two and a half back of the Rockets I mean that's gone like home court advantage the Rockets are going to have it I'm confident <laughs> I'm confident enough to say that the Warriors like they're just not going to push any of these guys to come back earlier than they need to No just to fight And, and they court. shouldn't Right like, let's no. be fair they shouldn't yeah, so. absolutely not. All right. Well, <laughs> glad to see we are mildly panicked about them. And obviously, that's going to be one of the biggest storylines to track over the final few weeks of the regular season, along with this ridiculous Western Conference playoff race and, of course, the tank race. Uh, so we need to start shouting out some of the tankers, Mort, because uh, we're not going to be talking about them all that much between now and the draft lottery. So... We came up, I mean, you know, obviously we needed to talk about them anyway, but we decided we wanted to do a segment similar to what the Inside the NBA A guys do with Gone Fishing. Obviously, we don't have Photoshop because we're a podcast, so 
that complicates matters. And we were trying to come up with a name for the segment. I threw out a couple of very terrible ideas. And then Mort, you with a stroke of genius, came up with... Bye, Felicia. Oh, it's so good. So today, we're going to say bye, Felicia, to the Memphis Grizzlies, Phoenix Suns, Dallas Mavericks, Sacramento Kings, all of whom have already been eliminated from playoff contention. We're going to save the Lakers, and then we can't obviously can't do the other Western Conference teams because that's going to come down to the final day of the regular season, most likely. Mm-hmm. So, Mort, let's start with the Memphis Grizzlies, who right now have the worst record in the NBA at 18-50. and 50. They have lost 19 straight games. Just a masterclass of tanking from the Grizzlies. I feel so bad for Marcus All. <laughs> He's got to be so pissed right now. So let's start with Marcus All because yeah. you know a month ago the trade deadline was coming. We the Grizzlies were going nowhere. We said, look, Tyreek Evans is going to be a free agent, unrestricted free agent this summer. Marcus All is going to be an unrestricted free agent next summer probably time to trade one of those guys and the grizzlies said no we're good we're not going to do that did they screw up by standing pat at the deadline usually during spring which is just right right around the corner here it's uh or no we are in spring right now it's march you have spring cleaning Mm -hmm. and memphis just did not take advantage they still have a dirty ass house (laughs) i i would say yes they did definitely waste a perfectly uh, timely opportunity to trade Marcus All, uh, possibly even Mike Conley, even though he was injured. But mm-hmm. it, it depends on the return because those guys are so good and mean so much to the franchise that I understand that they would not accept any low ball offers. Yeah. So if all that came in was low ball, then fine, it makes sense. Uh, I, I also think that question changes a little bit depending on where they land in the draft because even if they finish with the with the worst record they're only secure at the top fourth you know the fourth mm-hmm. pick mm-hmm. and if they drop down to the fourth that that changes things because this is a top two player draft or a mm-hmm. two player draft and then there's a significant drop off like if they get a Luka Doncic or a DeAndre Ayton yeah it's definitely I mean it's it's time it's then you flip the page and you go, you know what? We're building around this guy and we are trying to get whatever we can of young assets and draft picks for Gasol and Conley. And then we'll take the heat. We'll be awful for five years, but that presents the best opportunity for us going forward. That's what right. you do. Yeah. But if you end up with Marvin Backley or Jaron Jackson, both could be excellent players. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they have the same ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackson is even further away from being that guy, then you can bring him along slowly and then still go one last bout with Gasol and Conley, I suppose. But, I mean, I I would prefer on a personal level to just blow it up and mm-hmm. start over. I don't, mm-hmm. I think the age of Gasol is really problematic. Right. They're not going to be able to get anyone in free agency no. <laughs> anyway. Right. Because they're capped out thanks to the Chandler Parsons contract. So yep. everything is just, it's bad. It's really bad in Memphis. Yeah. I mean, right. So uh, I'm going to kind of go off a couple points you brought up there. So in terms of Memphis' plan this summer, you think it basically comes down to what happens during the draft lottery. Like if yeah. if they get a top two pick, yeah, it's time to blow it up because we have a, a, a franchise superstar in the making like the the timeline of whoever they draft 
whether it's Aiton or Doncic. Both of them are 19, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, a 33-year-old Mark Gasol and even a 30-year-old 30, 30 Mike Conley. 30-year-old. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, by the time Aiton and Doncic are ready to really make moves in the Western Conference, Gasol is going to be on his last legs and Conley's going to be 32, 33. So, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think if they get a top two pick, <laughs> take a stick of dynamite to this team. Um, who do you think they should take? Let's say they get the number one pick. Yeah. Do you think they should take Aiton as their way of giving them... Like, all right, we have Aiton, now we can trade Gasol because we have our franchise center still. Or no, because just... that would be drafting for need. You'd never mm-hmm. draft for need. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's what free agency is there for. I, I would still take Aiton, and that's because I've basically flip-flopped on him and, and, and Doncic. Doncic wow. is, is great, but Aiton is, is just so, so athletic, so big, has that wide frame, and... Uh, he's. I think he's got more potential as a player. I don't think he's as smart a player, obviously, because Doncic is just. He's basically like has a Magic Johnson intelligence on the basketball court, which can't be measured. Mm-hmm. And I do think, like as we talked about with Chris Stone on the last episode, I, I do think that Doncic is going to be more athletic than he showed because his body has not yet filled out and whatnot. Mm. But then it hit me, Aiden has not filled out yet. Right. Aiden is not even 20. Aiden yep. is going to get bigger, stronger, and he's going to be an absolute animal. Mm-hmm. And given that he's a an elite rebounder and that he can shoot the basketball and he can play on the inside and he can score from the mid-range area as well and he can hit three throws, you're looking at, at a guy who really does not have any major deficiencies in his offensive repertoire mm-hmm. and is an elite rebounder. Yeah, he's got issues defensively, but those are, because of his athleticism, some an area where you can correct some some things. Like he can get significantly better in that department. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm on Aiden now, but honestly, I could flip flop thirty times from now into the draft because right. both. I mean, you can't go wrong. I just have Aiden one right now. I mm-hmm. I had Doncic all throughout the season and. It's 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 a moment thing. I mean, you can ask me tomorrow. It might be it might be Dantich. Right. Regardless, Brian. But I mean, yeah. Right now it's Aiden. Yeah. So either way, you're saying they should not factor Gasol into who they take. Like they should not no, say we have no. Mark Gasol, so we can't take DeAndre Aiden. If we think Aiden's the best player, we should take him. Right. That would be so dumb. That would be something the Bulls would do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, are you concerned at all, Mort, about... I know you said, like, yeah, his defense is correctable, but, like, Buffalo seemed to have a pretty good answer against Arizona and Nate in the first round of the tournament. Was was Did that raise any red flags for you? No, well, it, it's always been a red flag. It, mm-hmm. it, it has. I mean, he is just not as engaged on that end of the floor, and he's still, like, trying to understand schemes. Mm-hmm. But But I think he improved as the season progressed. Early on in the year, he was you had video clips where he was just standing next to an opponent guard who was like five eleven, who took a layup right next to him, <laughs> and that was because he just didn't recognize really how big he was. Uh-huh. Like that was a moment of him where he just like didn't have any grasp at all that I'm actually seven one with a seven five wingspan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as the season progressed, 
he took those chances a little bit more. Started recognizing, oh, you know what? I, I can actually jump up and block this shot. I can mm. go all the way up here. I, I'm, I can actually affect the game defensively when I do this and that. But it's lapses, and you know you don't turn the page permanently from one day to the other. Sure. That's impossible. So I think it's a journey. Mm-hmm. And I think he's on the right path, but those concerns are still there. Absolutely they are. But it's not Jaleel Okafor 2.0. No, 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 no. Okay, good. Um, All right, so we mentioned Tyreek Evans earlier, and you also mentioned how the Grizzlies are in cap hell already. With, I mean, Conley is going to make thirty point five million next year. Parsons makes twenty four point one. Gasol makes twenty four point one. So if they stand pat with those three guys alone, throw in Jamichael Green, Ben McLemore, you know, a couple other guys, they're already above their guaranteed total. Is already 101.1 million, not factoring in whatever first round pick they have. So they're already above the projected salary cap, which is 101 million, which means all they're going to have is the non taxpayer mid level exception, which is going to be somewhere in the 8.5 million range. Do you think that's enough to keep Tyreek Evans around? And should they re sign him? Well, I I think it could be enough for them because he kind of, they, they gave him new life. Mm-hmm. And you know he attended uh, college in Memphis as well, so I mm-hmm. think there is some goodwill on that end, mm-hmm. uh, unless of course someone else comes in with a ridiculous offer. But considering how few teams have legit cap space, and I think a lot of teams would also be wary of the fact that Tyreek has played well just for just one season now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's enough to to hand him out like a a four year big-ass deal. I, I don't right. think that's enough. So I think Memphis definitely has a shot at retaining him for that deal. And whether they should or not depends on what they decide. Because if Gasol and Connolly are retained, which is what I think will happen, regardless mm-hmm. of what happens with the draft, I think they will keep Gasol and Connolly. Mm-hmm. Then yes, then it would make sense. Because if you have those three guys healthy for a full year, and you throw in like the number one and number two pick, mm-hmm. that would at least take them a little bit further. The problem there becomes they miss out on the lottery next year, 2019, and then they will have to wait a full year to 2020 to get that secondary core piece to go with an Aiden or a Dantage. So, I mean, I, I'm never a fan of playing both sides of the fence at the mm-hmm. same time, but I think Memphis uh, is going to try that and you know what can you do yeah i totally (laughs) i agree with not wanting them to do it but i think you're right they're not going to trade gasol at least not at the start i mean barring a blockbuster offer i don't see them trading gasol and what you alluded to is that they owe their first round pick to boston next year unless it's between one and eight so if they are the number 10 pick that goes to boston so that that could give them incentive to tank next year but then again, if the pick doesn't convey next year, it's protected 1-6 to six in 2020 and unprotected in 2021. So if you're Memphis and you're looking at what may be a multi-year rebuild, you might just want to get that out of the way when, it, you know, when it's, what, the worst you can give up is the number 9 pick. Whereas, like, God forbid, it rolls over to 2021 and you give up the number 1 pick that year. Like, that yeah. would be the worst possible scenario. So... Yeah, I would guess 
I don't know if that's the mid-level is going to be enough to retain Tyreek. I think it probably will just because, you know, you look at a guy. I think Lou Williams is really going to be he, – he kind of set the benchmark of, like, what we should expect for contracts this summer. He signed an extension worth less than what the mid-level exception is projected to be. And right now, I mean, given how well Lou Williams has played this year, I think you would expect Tyreek to be right in that range, if not a little bit less. So, yeah, I think if Memphis is willing to do a full mid-level for Tyreek, that's probably enough to keep him around. I would agree. I would agree. So that that brings us to a last question about Memphis, Mort. Are they basically screwed until Chandler Parsons' contract comes off the books, which happens after the 2019-2020 season? Yep. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> I mean, look, there's there's no other way to say it. I mean, yeah. but 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 then again, I'm also not a fan of cap space. Remember, I, yeah. I don't think cap space is the way to to plan ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, you have teams like the Bulls, the Knicks, the Lakers, who always focuses on oh, we have cap space by this and that year, right? And then you can completely flunk out of that of that free agent class and get like. A, a, deep a d level player in terms of you know wh- wh- however you rank them and classify them in tiers mm-hmm. I, I mean that's just not good enough and then you you overpay a guy significantly and you lock yourself into bad deals i hate free agency as a as a method of planning like mm-hmm. if you have a great young core and you have cap space now that's when you hit it that's right. fine but if you are if you're putting all of your eggs in that basket no don't do it that's it's dumb yeah, I mean, right. I don't know who they would even be able to lure if they had cap space just because that team, right? like, they just don't offer, what? Come, come play with 33-year-old Marcus Gasol and 30-year-old Mike Conley. Like, it's just not as enticing as come join the Lakers who have $60 million in cap space. Come join a Sixers team that's got $30 million in cap space and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Like, there are other right. teams with more enticing pitches so i would agree like okay if they get if they get a there's this thing though if they get dantage yeah i would i would assume that they would like that that there would be some big men out there on the market that would go oh you know what i can add four or five points on my average just by playing next to dantage i'll do that and conversely if they pick aiden there'd be a guy like a point guard out there going oh you know what i can add four or five assists a game Mm -hmm. just based on playing with this guy so I do think that there will be a market because if they have money and they have a scenario where certain guys can benefit from the mm-hmm. new rookie, but otherwise I agree, like they would not be attracting anyone of major significance. Yeah, it feels like their time to make at least start to make moves is the summer of twenty nineteen when assuming Gasol designs his player option, he comes off the books, they only have 57.6 million in guaranteed contracts all of which is just Conley and Parsons but then Parsons only has one more year mm-hmm. um, Conley he can opt out after 2019-2020 I can't imagine he's going to do so oh no no he's not 34.5 million dollars <laughs> no. but not at that know, age yeah but it feels like their their best move we're basically saying is hopefully get a top two pick try to bring back Tyreek just roll it back with this same core next year, hope for better health, and then you know, see how the first couple months of the season goes. You can reevaluate at the trade deadline, maybe trade Marcus all then, maybe trade Tyreek then. It, but you're kind of stuck because of the Parsons contract. Mm-hmm.
All right, so let's move on then. Let's go to the Phoenix Suns, Mort, who are thankfully have a slightly sunnier outlook, both short and long term. Right now, they that was are... a, that was a Kelly Scaletta pun right there. <laughs> oh yeah, that was. God damn it. Yeah. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, <laughs> so they are right now tied in terms of uh, games back with Memphis. They are 19 and 51. Memphis would be the number one overall or have the number one overall odds just by percentage, but very close. What um, I mean, I think the first thing we need to say is they have Devin Booker, who mm-hmm. at least has All Star potential. I mean, don't fall. We're not going to fall into like the analytics twitter debate of is he actually good yeah he you know he's a if nothing else he's a very explosive <laughs> yeah. scorer and he has a long-term role on this team yes he's good oh yeah yeah um but let's talk about their point guard spot because they traded they traded a second round pick at the trade deadline for alfred payton who's going to be a restricted free agent do you think he's worth re-signing and if not do they need to target point guard in the draft He's worth re-signing if the price is right. Remember when we had the episode where we discussed restricted free agents? Mm-hmm. And we were both not very hot on the idea of re-signing Alfred Payton to big money. Yep. But if he came at a decent price and was willing to back off both guard spots, then you could argue it would be a worthy investment, mm-hmm. assuming, of course, the money was right. So probably around the mid-level exception area. Then again, though... Why would he take that at that age? Right. So, but, you know, he might be forced to if no one else steps up to the plate. And yeah. I could I could imagine that that would be the case because he's not a strong shooter. And right. that is just the alpha omega today. Um, in terms of the draft, God, that's hard because, look, they have this. If, if currently they're slotted to draft second. Mm-hmm. So that's Doncic or Aiden. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I go Aiden for sure. I mean, he would just fit into that system so well. And, uh, I mean, again, he, he that would just be beautiful. Like mm-hmm. Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden running the break. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, let's be honest. That that would be ridiculous. Um, and then they are – they have the 15th pick and potentially the, the 16th from Milwaukee. The 15th pick is from Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Milwaukee pick, you had it right before. It was protected 10th. No, it was percent one to tenth and seventeenth and onwards, right? Right. So the only way they get that pick is, is if it falls between eleven and sixteen. Correct. Yeah. I mean, Milwaukee is going to make the playoffs. Like Detroit's too far gone at this point. So as long as Philly doesn't slip, which is probably not going to happen, given how easy its schedule is, uh, the number eight seed in the West, whoever that may be. I don't think Milwaukee's going to jump them just because all of these teams are jostling for, you know, they have to win every night. So it seems like Milwaukee is basically locked into either 15 or 16, and Miami's going to be the other one. So, yeah, they're going to get That's some combination gonna... of 15 and 16 from both right. of those teams. So that makes the number 2, number 15, number 16, and then the 32nd pick as well, which is sort of mm-hmm. a pseudo-first rounder. Right. Um, That's a lot of draft picks. And in that 15-16 area, you could look at a point guard. But at that point, Colin Sexton and Trey Young are both probably off the table. Mm -hmm. So who do you go for? Do you go for a shy Gilgis Alexander from Kentucky? Mm -hmm. I mean... It's, it's possible, but he's he's also coming in with some jump-shotting issues. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he shoots it well, but not with enough volume, so you don't really know if he's a good shooter or not. And it's not really a strong point guard crop this year. Right. But it, I'm, I'm doing a piece on the Suns as we speak, actually. And Ryan McDonough is very open to the idea of trading some of these picks for established players. Yeah, you're nodding, or not nodding, you're shaking your head right now. I am, mm-hmm. too, in that piece that I'm going to publish eventually. Um, but I do have a theory as to why. Uh, one thing is, he wants to get older. That's what he said, he wants to get older. Sure. I, I, th- I think there could be a different theory at play here. When you look at their draft, recent draft history, it hasn't been stellar. Yeah. When you look at what they gave up for the eighth pick... Uh, to take Marquis Chris in 2016. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. They gave up number 13, mm-hmm. 28th, and the rights of Bogdan Bogdanovich. Right. Like, that's that's one hell of a gamble, and so far, it's not paid off. Marquis Chris has, quite frankly, not been a good NBA player. Yeah, With I the mean... fourth pick that year, they drafted Dragon Bender. He's in, in the final ends of his second year, and he's yet to crack, you know, a PER of more than seven. <laughs> not great it, it really isn't it's it's quite bad actually oh you know what i you know what we should celebrate because i'm just looking at the updated numbers for phoenix mm-hmm. dragon bender is at 7.0 per hey oh, <laughs> congrats yeah. dragon that's that's amazing that's just <laughs> that, that's eight 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 points below the league average right yeah so my th- and and Josh Jackson is you know he's probably the best of those three, mm-hmm. but he's not exactly a home run. He's not a great shooter. He can't hit three throws. He's always going to be somewhat limited as an energy guy running the floor. He's not going to be a pure shooter at any point of his career. So the theory here is Ryan McDonough and the Sun staff might actually be a little bit afraid of drafting. Because they haven't hit home in a while. The last one they hit was Devin Booker. Yeah. I mean, that would be such a dumb reason to avoid. (laughs) Like, we don't want these cost-controlled assets because we screwed up a couple times. Like, if Sam Hinkie abandoned the process because he drafted Jalil Okafor, that would have been the dumbest shit imaginable. Like, this is... Phoenix is still very much... You have Devin Booker. Again, he is one... You know, you have one guy who you can build around. You don't know about any of these other guys. And I, I was going to ask you more, like Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. Yeah, they two top 10 picks in 2016. We haven't seen enough out of either of these guys, and now they're halfway through their rookie contracts. Yeah. Do you think either of those guys are, you know, do they have the potential still to become, like, foundational pieces in Phoenix? Or are we, you know, is it time to start considering them, like, complimentary guys, but... You don't want to, like, build your team around them. So I'm glad you asked me that because there's there are a couple ways to look at this. One thing is that if you are develop the, developing them as complementary pieces around Booker, then, yes, I think there's certainly potential for them to reach that type of ceiling. Mm-hmm. But I don't but, – but in terms of Marquis Chris especially, when they gave up what they did, Mm-hmm. knowing full well how good Bogdan Bogdanovich was. Right. Everyone knew that at that point in time. Yeah. I think the expectation of Marquise Chris is he should be significantly better. Like he was supposed to be 
the Sean Kemp to Gary Payton's, you know, uh, to to Gary Payton, and that's not happening right now. So I mm-hmm. think they are in the process of adjusting their expectations. And mm-hmm. with those two guys, I don't think it would be a wise idea to give up, especially Dragon Bender, because we've seen some improvements from him that, to his credit, does not necessarily show up in the stat sheet. Him moving extremely well defensively, laterally on smaller guards and and just being able to stick with smaller players with that big frame and i mean at least we forget this is a 20 year old uh guy who's seven feet one and he so far he's made 98 threes mm-hmm. so there's certainly some potential there that could be uh mined a little bit more mm-hmm but the door's closing on them to break out as these supposed stars that their draft slots would indicate. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm not really satisfied if I'm Phoenix with those picks, but I'm also not ready to give them up because then you would have given a whole bunch of stuff up for nothing, right. and that's just not worth it. Um, they were shopping Marquise Chris at the deadline, which I think was it's just way too soon to give up on someone who's that age. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may be disappointed in what he gives up, but he's so young, and you invested so much to get him. Now right. you 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 have to 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 give yourself the chance to see what he can become. And I mean, it's. <laughs> It's not a coincidence that I titled the article that will come out, Phoenix Should Stop Being Their Own Worst Enemy. <laughs> yeah. Because that's that's really how they operate. They, they, they fall upon their own feet all the time. And Chris is an example of that. Bender is sort of an example, but he's at least got more to build on than Bender does. Mm-hmm. So... To answer your question, I'm not satisfied with either. I don't think they have the potential to become fully-fledged stars anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's win- that window is certainly closing at an alarming rate. But I do think that they can become something as long as the team readjusts that expectation. Gotcha. Uh, are you higher on one of them than the other at this point? Bender, um, yeah. for, for the reasons I stated. Marquise yep. Chris has just looked so disinterested yeah. all year long. And he's really been struggling... He was he was a guy who came in and actually made a little bit of noise. Um, let me just look up something here. Yeah, his rookie season was a lot better. Yeah, uh, he he even had a, a PER of of twelve, which is okay for someone being nineteen and coming in mm-hmm. in his first season. Um, right now, it's under ten, and he's he's not efficient, and he's shooting the ball a lot worse, free throws a lot worse. It's he's not really rounding out his game. And, and this is where I'm kind of just concerned because of the four complete seasons that they've had combined, you know, two seasons for Chris and two seasons for Bender, mm-hmm. only one, and that was last year, Chris's rookie season, have one of them had a PER of over 10. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's just a major problem for Phoenix going forward. They need more production out of the, those two. But again, if they're willing to wait it out, and it indicates that they wouldn't because Chris was shopped, then I think it would be worth hanging on to them. But we'll see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those guys traded at the draft. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, like package of Chris plus 15 or 16 to move up to 8, 9, 10 range. Maybe. And like that would be that would make sense. If they get like an Aiden at number one or number two, mm-hmm. and then a Mikal Bridges 
yeah. at that point. I mean, yeah. Jesus, that would make a lot of sense. The, the the problem with Phoenix, though, is this as well. They have T.J. Warren. He's right. also a non-shooter. Mm-hmm. They have too many guys who can't shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. T.J. Warren, Josh Jackson, Marquise mm-hmm. Chris. Bender is getting there, but he's still not exactly there yet. And then they traded for Alfred Payton. Right. So I'm not really sure what they're trying to do. They're trying and to I play don't basketball. think they are. Yeah. Trying to play basketball like it's the 1980s. Apparently. <laughs> and it's not working. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, to your point, they don't have a single player on their roster shooting above 40% from three-point range. Which is Correct. not ideal, considering. They, they have the worst three-point percentage in the league at 33.6% as a team. And they're first 23rd in the league in makes as well. Yeah. So, I mean, some of this is definitely due to shoddy roster construction, as you mentioned, just having too many guys who can't shoot. And, yeah, I mean, that's a concern with re-signing Peyton as well. I totally agree. Like, Booker's a good shooter. I mean, he's hitting 38.3% from three this year, which is totally fine. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, like, outside of that, I mean, I let's just go right into this so they re-signed tj warren to an extension but josh jackson in theory plays the same position mm-hmm. what like what are they doing there like who do you, do you think the warren thing was basically what we've advocated for blake griffin and others like you just yeah. re-signed him to not lose him as an I, asset i, th- and then I think that later. was plan b yeah i think plan a was let's re-sign him see if he learns to shoot and if not, we know that he's competent enough offensively mm-hmm. to be movable. And mm-hmm. to his credit, like TJ Warren is averaging damn near twenty this year, so he's he can score the the basketball. He just can't shoot it. Mm-hmm. That's obviously a major concern. But he can score, so he's going to have some level of attractiveness to other teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't disagree. I, and he's put up huge numbers this year like he he was he got off to a really good start last year had that hand injury i think toward the end of november missed a month and kind of never got back on track but yeah he's averaging almost 20 a game this year like he's putting up career best numbers almost across the board so yeah i mean i I think they have to be pleasantly surprised with that he's turned out to be a solid complement to booker at least in this rebuilding year i don't know I mean, I, I think it'll basically come down to, like, which one of T.J. Warren and Josh Jackson develops a jump shot first. Yeah. And right now, T.J. Warren has the lead, but Josh Jackson's the better defender of the two, or he has the potential to be, if nothing else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really... I, I think you you really nailed it, more. Like, the, the roster construction here is just so confusing that outside of Booker, I don't really know who of any of these guys are a long-term piece. So that goes into this question then. Booker's eligible for an extension this summer. If you're Phoenix, do you max him out, no questions asked? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. I mean, look, we've been talking about players who are overhyped and doesn't deliver, blah, 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 blah. You know what? Devin Booger is 21 years old. Mm-hmm. He's already got more than 4,000 career points. He's a strong shooter. He's a strong pick and roll player. He's a, he's a developing defender, developing rebounder. And honestly, I think his rebounding has been a surprisingly good this year. Like He's taking on more of a scoring responsibility and has done that while also increasing his assist rate and his rebounding rate. That's 
spectacular. He's even getting to the line a whole lot. It, at worst case, you've got a more efficient Carmelo Anthony going on here. Mm. A guy who can get a king who can get you like 25, 27 points a night, but more efficiently. Mm-hmm. You max that out, yeah. even if he's got some weaknesses. Yeah. Even if he's not, you know, prime Kobe, who right. can take you to the promised land, it, right. it's okay because yeah. where's his major weakness offensively? It's not there. Defensively, that can be worked on. Yeah, right. But given how much potential he's shown in these first couple seasons, yeah, I think he's a no question max guy. I mean, the only hesitation would be, well, do you want to save that cap space for the summer of 2019? Keep his cheaper cap hold on the books? You know, try to get someone in there, but maybe. I mean, look, that depends. If if Booker is willing to take a discount um, by extending early, some players are. Mm-hmm. Then you go for it. But right. I look it, going the the restricted free agency route uh, in the same manner that the Spurs did with Kawhi would be extremely clever. So I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't fault the Suns at all for taking that approach. I mean, it would be clever if he's okay to it or if he's open to it, but it's also yeah. risky because then he can go and turn around and sign a three-year or a four-year deal with a fourth-year player option, sign that offer sheet elsewhere. You know, the the Sean, uh, the uh, the Brooklyn Nets special where it's like yeah. they you know throw in a trade kicker, uh, just make it as awful as possible to match. And if you do, then like you know, he you're in a Gordon Hayward Utah situation where like, shit, maybe we just should have given this guy, you know, the four or five year max right away. Instead, we pissed him off, and now he's gonna leave us a year earlier than he could have otherwise. So it's well, communication is key, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tricky. If he's willing to do it, go for it. Like if he's yeah. willing to defer that payment for a year, but like it's a risk on his end too. Because what if he gets hurt? In the, yeah. You know, in the 2018-19 season, does he get a max deal if he tears his ACL or he tears, God forbid, he tears his Achilles? So Well, we'll see because that depends on what Zach Levine is going to get this summer. Yeah, and, and, and also, here's a benefit as well. Booker's game is not heavily reliant on athleticism. Right. Like, he's, he's a smart under-the-rim player. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean... Regardless, we agree he's worth keeping around. He's a building block. Oh, yeah. And now, you know, on the point guard note, like they do have Brandon Knight. He's missed the whole season with a torn ACL, but they have him signed for two more years. So, like, they do. They do have options there. It seems like, I mean, Alex Len is going to come off the books. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent because he took the qualifying offer this year. It seems like his yeah. fate is basically if they draft Aiton, peace out, Alex Len. I think that's going to be the case regardless. Yeah. I don't think he wants to stick around anymore. It's probably fair. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, let's move to the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> Speaking of centers who took the qualifying offer, let's move to the Dallas Mavericks and Nerlens Noel, yeah. who, again, we talked about this before, we turned, allegedly turned down a four-year, $70 million deal from the Mavericks. Did not find any offer sheets to his liking last year. Took the qualifying offer. Fell out of Rick Carlisle's rotation for a, the first month or so, first month and a half of the season. Then underwent surgery on his thumb. Missed about two and a half months. But yeah. he has come back in recent weeks and is starting to play really well again. Mm-hmm. So it, 
you know, the timing. Overall, this has been a terrible season for him just because of how it, how the Carlisle stuff went. But, like, he's starting to show he's not a complete lost cause just in the nick of time. Like, against the Raptors, he had six points, six rebounds, five steals, three blocks, three assists in 27 minutes. Yep. You know, he's he, he's getting that, like, poor man's Tyson Chandler rep all over again. So more, well, I don't think he's ever lost it. Yeah, well, I mean, I would say, given how poorly the first month and a half of the season went, I think there was legitimate concern of, like, maybe this guy's just a total dickhead. And, like, maybe you just don't want him on your team. Like, if he's clashing with Carlisle this much, like, maybe, you know... Both could be true. Yeah, right. I mean, it was like he... You gave him the benefit of the doubt for being frustrated in Philly because of how many centers they had and there wasn't enough playing time to go around. That's fine. But like when he's not getting minutes ahead of some of the, the some of the centers that they've been playing this year in Dallas, mm. then it was like, well, <laughs> yeah, maybe this is a Nerlens thing. Maybe it wasn't just Philly. Maybe you know now he's playing with Rick Carlisle, one of the most respected coaches in the league. He's playing for a Mavericks team that, aside from the last year or so, has been a Western Conference powerhouse for the last decade and a half. There was con- there was reason for concern. Like, to the point where I thought there was no way he's getting the same offer Dallas offered him last summer. No, but he's not. What I'm saying is I don't think he ever lost the potential to be as influential as mm. Tyson Chandler. Yeah. But it's certainly possible that Nerlens is just a problematic player to have on the roster. Those mm. Both of those things can be true. Um, whatever he gets offered this year, and it's certainly not going to be $70 million, Right. I, I would probably suggest him to take it and then prove it. Like if he can get a one year deal somewhere that pays him like twelve million, but mm-hmm. it's one of those prove it deals, yeah. Fine, go for it. Yeah. I think his best case scenario is kinda of, kind of the best case scenario for a lot of these second, third, fourth tier guys is like the Lakers don't get both of Paul George and LeBron James. They have whatever 30 million dollars of cap space left over say they re-sign randall for 15 or 20 mm. and you know get shit even if they get paul george he's 30 then nerlands can come in swoop in take one year 10 million take that leftover cap space as you said more on a prove it deal because the lakers are going to want to preserve whatever cap space they have left yep. long term so yeah i mean it it feels like his best option is going to be one of these one-year prove-it deals. But do you think there's any chance he resigns in Dallas, or is that ship no, sailed? I think that ship sailed. I think he's going back to the Eastern Conference, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up on the Bulls, because Robin Lopez seems to be the guy that that's going to be traded this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're mm-hmm. they're in that rebuilding process, and, and Nerlens just fits that age, age profile. And yeah. we've seen before that you know Gar Foreman and, and John Paxson just do not give Fred Hoiberg any shot of playing Hoiball by signing Rashawn Rondo and Dwayne Wade that same summer. So, you know, I, I don't think that they even consider that at all. And Ernest Noel would not fit into that picture because mm-hmm. so far we've we've seen the Bulls actually play pretty well when they play Portis at the five and they have all the, the, the five out playing uh the the setup so every everyone on the court can shoot but 
I'm, I'm just gonna I'm not gonna put it past them to sign a guy who's ultimately limited to sticking around the rim nor would I at least he'd be younger and more athletic they are finally living up to that moniker I guess but the problem <laughs> here is the reason he fits that age, it fits that age profile is because they mostly draft seniors not yeah. good seniors <laughs> right. So, right yeah shout out to Denzel Valentine yep uh, what about Dennis Smith Jr., Mort? What have you seen out of him this season, and do you think he's the franchise point guard that they build him to be coming into the year? Uh, well, you know what? When I saw that question, I, I thought it was a little unfair because, you know, rookie point guards, mm-hmm. that's always so tough. He started the season off at the age of 19, mm-hmm. you know, and, and learning an NBA offense and learning to be the point guard and have the ball in his hands so much. That's just tricky on its own. The fact that he's right now averaging 15 points, four rebounds, and five assists in just under 30 minutes a game, mm-hmm. that's a positive. That's a major positive for me. Um, he's not shooting well, but that's that's okay. It's a learning season. Dallas isn't going anywhere. I think he's going to improve dramatically. Uh, this is one of those guys where you go, oh, that's that's the Kemba Walker thing, right? Where he starts mm-hmm. out his career having a couple of years where he just looks abysmal. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly there's like an aha moment and he starts to get it because the experience kicks in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not concerned at all about him. I mean, look at who he's been playing with all year outside yeah. of Dirk and Harrison Barnes. Like, they set him... I don't want to say they set him up to fail necessarily, but like, he would have had to be the LeBron James of point guards to put up good, efficient numbers on this team. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It's hard to say whether he's, like, I don't know that he's the next Dirk necessarily. Like, I don't know that the Mavericks should be planning their franchise with him as their best player. But I think he could at least develop into the starting point guard on a championship team one day. I, I don't think that ceiling is gone just because he had one season where he shot under 40% from the field. Oh, yeah, great. I mean, look, the athleticism is unquestionable. Yeah. So, and, and that alone just adds so many layers of potential. Right. Yeah, like, as, I mean, this is, it's frankly, it's good that they've let him take his lumps. Like, they knew this season was kind of a throw-it-out season anyway, so it's, like, mm-hmm. good that they just stuck him in the starting lineup and said, like, look, Get your experience. You know, there's no point in us trying to compete this year. Let's let you learn now. And then by the time we're, you know, hopefully we get a good pick this year. By the time we start rounding out our roster again, you'll actually have the experience to that we need. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree. So, Wes Matthews is likely out for the year with a stress fracture, I believe, or some sort of... Yeah, I believe it was a stress fracture. So he is now a effectively a lock to pick up his player option for next season, which is $18.6 million. But the Mavs are still going to have a boatload of cap space outside of that. What do you think they should do with that, Mort? Should they be going after any notable free agents, or should they be trying to do what you've advocated for the Bulls kind of use that salary cap space to absorb bad contracts as long as they can get some picks and young players in return. Well, no, because they need a, a power forward because Dirk is on his way out, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, so, And this is where the free agency that comes in in terms of this is where you can sign for need. 
mm-hmm. and you need a four. Mm-hmm. And in your outline in the email, you mentioned two names, Aaron mm-hmm. Gordon and Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. Like, either either would be mm-hmm. good. Um, I'm leaning Gordon. Yeah. Because I feel that he's got that extra layer of potential because of the athleticism and defensive intensity that he has. But I would be in no way disappointed if I'm a Mavs fan and I get Julius Randle. Oh, no. Me neither. I mean, I would love that. So, yeah. either way, whoever you get, I mean, I would just go after one of those two. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Gordon just has, right now, because he's a better three-point shooter, Yeah, just fits with the way today's game is played. But that said, Randle has been on an absolute monster tear for the last month or two. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I think... You know, I've seen some Lakers people on Twitter saying, like, well, you know, we could keep Randall and get Paul George and LeBron. And I'm like, how? Like, Randall's not. Oh, yeah, no. Like, he's getting an offer sheet this summer. I, I mean, oh, I yeah. know cap space is limited, but there aren't that many, like, top-tier free agents available outside of, yeah, LeBron, Paul George. Boogie's coming off the the uh, Achilles injury, and you just assume he's going to resign in New Orleans. Chris Paul is going to resign in Houston that case is closed. No point in even bringing him up. So then it's like Isaiah Thomas, DeAndre Jordan, Brooke Lopez. Like they're, I mean, I feel like the next tier of guys after LeBron, Paul George, Boogie, Chris Paul, you probably want to spend your money more on an Aaron Gordon or a Julius Randle than you would. Obviously. On a DeAndre Jordan or an Isaiah Thomas. I don't think that's a necessarily a hot take so like all of oh these... no no that's that's the coldest take you could come up with yeah i i i feel like i'm taking crazy pills whenever i talk to these lakers people and they're like well no 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 you you you're ice town there okay i mean good yeah, yeah. so i mean i think both of those guys yeah i know restricted free agents don't often get i mean it usually cools the market on them if they're a restricted free agent but we saw like Otto porter got a max offer sheet last year as a restricted free agent it happens mm-hmm. with one or two guys like whichever top one or two restricted free agents didn't reach an extension they usually end up getting paid and i feel yep. like julius randall and aaron gordon are those two guys this year the yep. mavs as you said have an enormous need at the four it's like i expect the mavs to lob offer sheets at one or both of those guys i feel like randall's probably going to come a little cheaper i feel like gordon's definitely going to get maxed Randall, I'm not sure if he will. I... Well, that's not a bad thing because Randall's got playmaking abilities, and combine yeah. him with Dennis Smith. I mean, look, that's if you if you go back to you know prime Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah. Joakim mm. Noah was the one throwing the lops that right. just that turned the defenses on its head because they just did not know what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. That could be a similar situation. Randall from the high post. Looking at Dennis Smith cutting to the basket, good mm-hmm. lord! I mean, the Mavs right now are not like the Grizzlies. I mean, they have Harrison Barnes who's signed to a max deal. He's going to earn twenty four point one million next season. Yeah, Matthews, assuming he signs in eighteen point six, those are the only two guys above ten million. Dwayne Powell's yeah. at nine point six, and then they have no one else above five. So like, they're and in- Matthews can still shoot. Yeah, so like they're in good shape financially at least for this rebuilding era like they have most mostly guys on their rookie contracts which is fine like that's what you want right now so yeah brian i I just have to interrupt you because we just had breaking news another warrior 
have went have gone down. No, Om- Omri Caspi is expected to be sidelined for a week. Oh my god! <laughs> At this point, I feel like they're just inventing. You know how like tanking teams invent injuries to get their guys mm-hmm. rest? I feel like the Warriors must be doing that at this point, right? <laughs> It, it was the Warriors a couple years back as well, more than a couple years back, seven years back or something. With Harry Burns. The, yeah, they, they played. Yeah, they played against Portland, and they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough players to take the floor. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Man. Um, all right. More, before we move on from the Mavs, they are right now projected to get the number six pick. Again, <laughs> this is completely That's subject to change. Yeah, I mean, it's who knows where they're going to end up. But let's say they stay in that six to eight range. Do you see any guys, you know, you got to assume Aiton and Doncic are off the board, probably Michael Porter, Jaron Jackson, Marvin Bagley. Yeah. Do you see anyone who's like a really good fit? I mean, look, so normally I would go Bamba. Mm -hmm. And he would fit Dallas pretty well, I I think. But lately I've, I've... I've actually considered just going Carter over Bamba as well. Wendell Carter from Duke. I love it. <laughs> because, I mean, this dude can play some center in the Al Horford type way. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a strong passer. He can shoot. He's just way more skilled than a lot of these guys that who, who are projected to go higher than him. And in Dallas, skill matters. Yeah. So I, I think that would be a wonderful fit there. It might be a little bit short. But hey, I mean, in today's league, everything is small ball anyway. So Wendell Carter as the five man, then Julius Randle at the four, and with Dennis Smith just being the de facto scorer. Yeah, I, I kind of like it. Yeah, if you have a Smith, Wes Matthews, Harry Barnes, Randle, and Carter, and that's Carter, a, yeah, yeah, that's a. But I mean, if they go Bamba, I won't complain. That's right. that's one hell of. I mean, that's. That's Nerlens Noel on steroids as a shot blocker, at least. Yeah, I mean, and Smith has above average defensive potential too. So, yep, that that could be a, an annoying core to deal with. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think overall the Mavs are in much better shape than say the Grizzlies, just because of where they are financially. Right, I think that's going to open the door for them to be. They, I mean, they're they're a team to watch this summer. Like, they're I know they haven't been the team to watch this year, but. They have the potential to make some serious noise. Um, let's move on. Boy. Oh, sorry. Just, just one, one final thing. If Michael Porter Jr. slips, oh man, yeah. that could be interesting. That'd be really interesting because he could play both the three and small ball four. Yeah, as can Harry Barnes. They're like as can Harry Barnes exactly. Yeah, precisely, and that interchangeability—that's always the one that's a lot of fun in this today's NBA climate. Yeah, that's very true. So let's move on. Let's finish things up with the Sacramento Kings. I'm going to fire one off with a hot take here. Who mm-hmm. And you mentioned this guy earlier, but is Bogdan Bogdanovich their best player right now? Yeah, probably best established player, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I think next year that's probably going to be De'Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buddy Heal is in there too. He's he's actually been quite good this year. He hasn't gotten the recognition that he deserves, but Bogdan has just been out of his mind. I mean, the way that Bogdanovich probes probes the defense 
and can manufacture shots from the mid-range. I know, I know, mid-range shots are bad, whatever, <laughs> I get it. But still, the fact that he can get one whenever he wants, that shows uh, creativity and an ability to get shots whenever you want, which is essentially um, a guy controlling the offense. Mm-hmm. And that's important. So I like that, that, that ability he has to just get to wherever he wants to be on the court. And he's strong, he's large, he can shoot it, he can pass it. He's not much of a rebounder. He's a little bit worse of a rebounder than I thought he would be. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that translates. But yeah, right now he's probably the best. But it's close. I mean, he's got some competition for it. I mean, already now I would go De'Aaron Fox is in the conversation. Yeah. So let's go to De'Aaron Fox then. What have you seen out of him this year? And what do you hope to see moving forward? Well, remember what I said, I think, 50 times last year. I said his mechanics looked okay mm-hmm. in terms of being a decent three-point shooter. I mm-hmm. didn't think that he would come in and shoot 19%. Right. Lo and behold, he's hitting 33% on two attempts a game. So yeah. I, I'm i glad to see that one turning true because I, I had him number two on my draft board. Yeah. Um, I had, uh, yeah, I, I, I had Folds number one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, De'Aaron Fox two, and then Donovan Mitchell third. And the Fox thing was actually the one that I was most concerned about, honestly, because everyone else had Lonzo. Yeah. He wasn't like D'Angelo, or not D'Angelo, De'Aaron was, was this guy who was kind of an afterthought because, oh, he couldn't shoot. Uh-huh. And I was, until I started watching Kentucky last year, I was, yeah, that's, I, I only read, I, you know, for the first quarter of the college season i was more or less stat tracking mm-hmm. i was like yep that guy's out of the picture because he can't shoot and then i caught the first couple of, of kentucky games and that stroke looked good the ball yeah. just didn't go in right. and it wasn't because the the misses were bad you know <laughs> some were a little bit back rim some rimmed out like it mm-hmm. weren't bad misses so i figured you know what and with the athleticism that he had and the court vision and the speed yeah and he's utilizing that. He's even been playing well in the cl- in, in the clutch. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think this guy has what it takes to take up the mantle of being, you know, a Sacramento King star, whatever that means, <laughs> right. uh, for the right. future. Yeah, I mean, I think they should be very encouraged by how he's fared this year. I, like Dennis Smith, the efficiency isn't where you hope it's going to end up being. But again rookie point guard who's playing behind George Hill for some portion of the year. I think mm-hmm. the fact the Kings traded Hill was great. Like, this is... You're going nowhere this year. Like, let Fox take his lumps, just like the Mavs are letting Dennis Smith Jr. take his. And that, you're right, Mort. Like, he's he's playing well. They should be... I mean, I think they should consider that a draft success. And it's weird yep. to say, like, the Kings have actually... You know, they, they've done well in the draft the last couple of years. They draft well. It's just everything else that's done. <laughs> right. But as you mentioned, you know, trading down from Marquise Chris to pick up number 13, Papianis, who they have since waived. That yeah, was that, that was a that, whiff. But they got Scal, uh, who's playing. I mean, again, this is like, it's hard to tell what is just like, you're beating up on late season teams who don't give a damn and you're actually showing real flashes, but hmm. you know, he hurt his hip recently, but he, he came back, I believe last night, but he was playing really well before he went down with the hip injury. 
And then Bogdanovich, as we mentioned earlier, is yep. like yep. One, of, one of, if not their best player right now. So that leads into my next question, Mort. Do they have anyone else outside of Fox who you think is like, you know, a guy they consider not necessarily a, a franchise superstar, but like a guy who fits into their long-term vision? Yeah, I mentioned him before, Buddy Heald. Mm-hmm. I mean... He's he's a fantastic shooter. That one turned out true. Yeah, uh, I, I think people overrated his ability to score at the next level. I thought he would win Rookie of the Year because he thought he would get a lot of shots in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and it just didn't quite work out that way. And then he got to Sacramento, got more shots, and he he played well. And for some reason, he hasn't been playing more than twenty four minutes a game, but he's producing when he's out there. He's He's actually a decent rebounder as well for a guy that size. And I, I think when he starts to get, you know, starting caliber minutes mm-hmm. and when he starts to round out his game a little bit more, because I think that he has some potential as a passer, he just needs to dig into that a little bit more. Sure. I wouldn't be surprised to see him become one of those guys who can go out and, and play 33, 35 minutes a night and be a consistent 20 point threat. Yeah. No, I wouldn't either. I, it, it's, Interesting, given how well Bogdanovich has played. You know, I, I feel like they brought Heald in last year at, and he took over as a starter. Mm-hmm. Now he's mostly come off the bench. He's only started 11 games this season. So it's interesting yeah. to see what's going to happen there. Like, is are they going to just keep him in that six-man role where he can just be their microwave shooter off the bench? I, I don't know. Yeah. I would I would like to see them play a little bit smaller and go with Bogdanovich at the three. Mm. So do but, yeah, Fox yeah, but, Bogdanovich. Exactly, but the problem here becomes, as I mentioned before, Bogdanovich is not a strong rebounder, and right. when you go small, you would need ha- need to have your players be strong rebounders at the yeah. very least. Yeah. And and if he doesn't rebound his position, that's a concern. So then you need to have the front court be some rebounding gobblers. Mm-hmm. So and they let, don't really have that. Yeah, let's go into that front court. Willie Cauley Stein is in the end of his third year, which means he'll be eligible for an extension this summer. I'm gonna ask you the same question about him as I did about Devin Booker, minus the should they max him out? Because the answer obviously <laughs> yeah, is no. But do you think he's a guy worth signing to an extension, depending on the price? Yeah, <laughs> you said it right there. Depending on the price. The, I, I was very surprised at the NBA career, sorry, that Willie's had, because I thought he would be more of a defensive-oriented player mm-hmm. coming in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel that his offensive game has kind of surpassed his defensive game. Yeah, and I agree. I don't think he's as big a difference maker defensively as I thought he would be. Right. But then, out of nowhere, he became this guy who could you know, get 13 points a game, basically, in, in 28 minutes. Mm-hmm. I did not see that one coming. So, I mean, kudos to, to Willie for establishing that, at least. Um, yeah, I, I think you re-sign him, but I think you would need him to basically give you a discount. Mm-hmm. I do not want to give him a large deal, nor do I want to give him like a long-term deal for a lot of money because I'm, I'm just not sure what he is now. I, I mean, he's played over 4,500 minutes, and I'm still not sure what this guy is. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I think, as you said, he came in with the reputation of being this like defensive-minded player who couldn't really do anything offensively. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think they kind of pigeonholed him into that role initially. I mean, his field goal percentage has dropped each of the past three seasons. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's taking... It looks like he's taking more shots outside of... Like, as a rookie, 60% of his shots came from within three feet of the basket. This year, he's down to 44.6%. So, like, right. they're, they're stretching him out. Like, he's taking almost 15% of his shots between 16 and three foot or three point range, which is, you know, not, not optimal. That's mathematically right. the worst shot, but like good for them for letting him stretch his range out and seeing if that's a thing. Like he, he's only taken 12 threes this year. He's hit three of them, but you know, if he can develop into that kind of stretch big man, that's going to unlock some upside that you wouldn't have expected coming into the NBA. So, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I wouldn't, if if his agent calls this summer, I'm not hanging up the phone immediately. I'm at least seeing like, all right, what what do you consider to be a reasonable deal? You know, I'm not, I'm not maxing him out. I don't think I'm giving him 20 million a year, but no, 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 no. But you know, somewhere in the I'm giving him, I'm giving him at very max, I'm giving him 12. Yeah. I was going to say somewhere in the low teens. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and then see how the market plays out this year. Like if again, if a guy like Lou Williams has taken eight, like these agents might be like, oh shit, the money really dried up, and it's not coming back until all of these bad contracts came off the books from 2016. So like they'll start to in 2019, but a lot of them go until 2020. Yeah, you know, you know, maybe you if you're Willie Collins, maybe you'd say like, uh, all right, maybe I'm just gonna test restricted free agency in 2019 take a qualifying offer hit 2020 cash in i mean it it's going to be a really interesting summer not only for the free agents but also this draft class of 2015 a lot of whom have these decisions to make like where can you maximize your earning potential the most well both for the classes of 14 and 15 because then you have the guys from 14 that enters restricted free agency so right. basically it's, it's it's going to be interesting to see what's you know what happens with two draft classes um yeah. yeah but but i mean in terms of willie i think he's a guy that you can at least count on to get production and for a guy this young and a guy who plays center that definitely comes with an an extra little thing on the price tag mm-hmm. the thing is if you overpay for that then you would have to expect some changes or not changes sorry improvements further yeah. improvements Mm-hmm. Because where he's at right now is not something that you would want to overpay for. That would be where you end up with an albatross yeah. contract. Yeah, totally agree. So, Mort, I'm going to ask you the same question to wrap Mavs up as I did, or sorry, wrap the Kings up as I did yeah. with the Mavs. Like the Mavs, they are currently the Kings are number seven right now. They have won two straight games to tank themselves backwards. So mm-hmm. again, you know now. Sacramento, if you're in that seven range, again, you assume Aiton and Doncic are long gone. If Jackson, Porter, Bagley are gone, you're probably looking at Trey Young, Bamba, Wendell Carter as your theoretically like best players available. Yeah, I reach. I, yeah, right? I reach. I reach for, for Mikel Bridges. Yeah, I think so too, right? Yeah, or, or Miles Bridges, whoever you prefer at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think you reach not not because of of uh, of a need though, 
but because the symmetry of how that roster is assembled, I think would maximize, you know, a, a Bridges acquisition. Mm-hmm. You have you have Buddy Heald who can stretch the floor. You have De'Aaron Fox who's a strong slasher and a true point guard. Then you've got these complimentary big men who can suck in the defense. I just think that makes a lot of sense to get a Mikhail Bridges into that situation because he will burn you from the outside. Mm-hmm. So if he comes in and he adds that shooting element, and he's a wonderful defender, wonderful mm-hmm. defender, who can guard two, the two, the three, the four, even the point on occasion, that just gives you so much flexibility on both ends of the court. Like De'Aaron Fox projected to become a great defender down the road as well. Mm-hmm. I just think he's going to be one of those glue guys, yeah. For, especially for a team like Sacramento. Yeah, right. Like you have so many guys healed, you can project ultimately to be a twenty-point-per-game scorer. Hopefully, Bogdanovich yeah. seems like he's going to be in the fifteen to twenty range. Fox will probably be fifteen. If Willie Cauley Stein continues developing, he'll be fifteen. You know, Scal, if he ever gets minutes, has some high upside as well. So you don't necessarily need another high-volume scorer. You've got a bunch of big men. So, like, yeah, I mean, now we're talking about, like, do they draft for need? Do they draft for fit? But I'm not convinced that Bamba, Trey Young, Wendell Carter, like, yes, the group think has them above Mikhail Bridges right now, but... I'm not convinced they're in like a tier above him. I think. No, no, they're point. not. Yeah. So at that point, you, if they're all in the same tier, then that's where you can use fit as the tiebreaker. Yeah. And it seems like agree. Bridges is the guy who would translate. Not necessarily. I shouldn't say translate, but the guy who will like provide the most bang for his buck at that spot. And that that same thing could be true for Miles Bridges, who is an undersized four, mm-hmm. because he would unlock a lot for them as well. Like they don't have this playmaking four, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a term we saw with with um, Draymond Green, and we saw a lot of teams go after this playmaking four, and then found out oh, that player's not really there. Julius Randall is sort of the closest thing we're coming to that right now. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. and and because of that, he's really really interesting. Yeah. But Miles Bridges, I mean, look, I have Mikel Bridges over Miles, but you, we gotta acknowledge that Miles at least has that potential in his back. He yeah. would be undersized, yeah, but he can handle the ball, he can shoot it, and he's very accustomed to playing the four. So, not not I'm not saying he's gonna be Draymond Green. The Draymond Green comparison is out the door, right, but he right. could. Play the four and handle the ball is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Yeah, that makes total sense. <clears throat> All right, Mort, let's wrap things up with our crushes of the week. I'm going to let you go first. Rondé Hollis Jefferson. And that's, I mean, look, I'm not glad about picking a guy who can't shoot. <laughs> I do not like that, Yeah, but I got to give him credit. Uh, 15.8 points a game, 8.2 rebounds, 3 assists. This is over his last five, and he's doing that in just 26 minutes a game. He's hitting 53% from the field and 81 from the free throw line. And God damn it, Rodde, if you can hit 80 from the line, which you almost do for the entire season, you can take more threes. Come on. <laughs> You're just shouting him out because the Nets almost beat the Sixers last night, and you would have had just permanent shame on me. 
Oh yeah, no, no. I'm basically expecting Philly to lose games at this point because yeah. you muck it up for yourself in the final five minutes. Yeah, they really do. It's, un- it's unreal. Uh, but no, RHJ is a very good pick. He's the whole Nets team. I mean, you were right to be high on them coming, or you weren't right to be high on them as a playoff team coming into the year. But they have a lot of good young pieces. They're only going to get better. This guy Where would they have been if they had been healthy, though? Like, let me. Uh, they're let's not just have in a, the playoffs. No, no, but they would have been close. No. They could easily have been on the bubble. Yeah, they could have been Charlotte. I would have taken that. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, all right. My crush, I'm going to cheat with one, but we'll start with the actual NBA player, and that is Torian Prince. Yeah. 38 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds in a loss against Chicago on Sunday. Seven threes in that game as well. Over his last three, he's averaging 28.3 points, eight rebounds, 5.3 assists, 5.3 threes, almost a steal and a block in 35 minutes a game. Yeah. He, he kind of slumped uh, earlier in the season, especially in January. seemed like he lost his mojo a little bit, but he's certainly rediscovered it. So, you know, the, the Hawks... It's in the very beginning of a long rebuild, and we will say bye, Felicia, to them uh, in an upcoming episode. But I think they should be rightly encouraged by what Torian Prince has done, especially as of late. Also, we have to give a shout-out to the UMBC Retrievers, the first number 16 seed ever to be the number one seed. Also, they're personally near and dear to my heart because now... Georgetown is not the biggest March Madness choker in the DMV region. So thank you, Virginia. Now no one could ever make fun of us again because you choked so much harder. But, yeah, unreal performance from those guys. I like that they they wouldn't even, like, celebrate that much after the game. Like, I would expect, you know, like, streamers coming down. But, <laughs> like, they just seemed like they expected to win, which is great. Like, good for them. I hope they win the whole damn thing. My bracket's already on fire. So let's go Team Chaos. Let's do it. I'm so glad I didn't fill out a bracket this year. It would have been busted by the first five or six games. Yeah. I was actually, I was perfect through six, and then everything just went to total shit. Thank you, my faith in Arizona. That really did not help me. When I put them in my final four, but I had I had the weirdest bracket last year. I went nine for nine on the first one, and then I dropped. That yeah, that was I was glad. I was like I was I was feeling myself, and then I I lost the next six. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like I'm not even gonna check back on this bracket. (laughs) I know that's how it always goes. Brutal. Um, Well, yeah. Shout out to UMBC. We we wish you the best in the rest of your journey because. You, you made you lit Twitter on fire Friday night. So well done there. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio. So give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes. So please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. We're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FRS Hoops with a Z. Until next time, I'm Brian Zaporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I'm going to go back and watch more awful basketball. <laughs> Enjoy. Happy St. Paddy's Day. Thank you. Likewise, friend. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... 
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.